Georgia Realtors Realcast. I'm your host, Maura Neal, and today's episode focuses on another timely and much discussed topic. One that I'm sure you've been hearing and reading about in the news, in the media, on social media, and perhaps even from your brokers in conversations during your office sales meetings and with your clients. Today, we're talking about mortgage forbearance in the time of COVID-19, and we're seeking to separate myth from fact. And of course, give you some helpful resources on our show notes page at garealcast.com. A very real consequence of the sheltering in place and quarantining across the country has been a financial one. With mandatory shutdown of businesses and classifications of essential versus non-essential, as well as with unemployment and furloughs, comes financial strain. And for homeowners, that can mean the inability to pay their mortgage. The CARES Act has put some very specific provisions in place regarding mortgage forbearance. Unfortunately, under typical circumstances, there's a lot of misinformation that is widely available about mortgage forbearance. Add in a global pandemic and a relatively new act of Congress, the CARES Act, and misinformation is rampant. However, it's easy to understand where all of the miscommunication comes from. It's an 880-page bill passed by Congress in order to help our country through the global pandemic that we know as COVID-19. As a realtor, your clients may not be asking you for advice and assistance with the PPP loan program, with the EIDL loan program, or with pandemic unemployment assistance. However, as a realtor, you may be getting calls from clients who are having difficulty paying their mortgage. They may be looking to you for guidance and what their first step should be. Our aim with this episode is to give you some very basic information and advice to provide you with a way to separate myth from fact, and of course, to provide you with the right steps to give your clients so that they can get the best information possible. Here to talk with us today about mortgage forbearance under the CARES Act are Susan Stewart, CEO of SWBC Mortgage Corporation and chair-elect of the Mortgage Bankers Association, as well as Georgia's own Rebecca King, loan officer and branch manager of the Blairsville SWBC Mortgage Corporation location. We're very lucky at the Georgia Realtors to have SWBC as a friend and a partner of our association. And remember, go to garealcast.com for links to some very helpful resources to help you better discuss mortgage forbearance with your clients. I hope you enjoy and learn at least a little something from this episode. I am joined today by two very special guests, Susan Stewart, who is CEO of SWBC Mortgage Corp and also chair-elect of the Mortgage Bankers Association. And then, of course, someone who's very near and dear to our heart, Rebecca King, who is the branch manager and a loan officer at the Blairsville office of SWBC Mortgage Corp. Thank you, ladies, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I thought we might start this conversation before we jump into the very heavy topic of mortgage forbearance. Of course, that's been a topic that's been much discussed on social media, in the news, especially as it relates to the CARES Act and the 
coronavirus pandemic that we are all dealing with. But I thought we might start with some positives first. I've been talking a lot over the last couple of weeks with realtor guests on the podcast about changes that are probably going to come to our business because of some things that we've had to do in a temporary fashion while we are in shelter in place or self-quarantining. And some of those changes for realtors are, I think are going to be very positive. So what are some things that you are seeing on the mortgage side coming out of, if we're, if we're saying that maybe we see this light at the end of the tunnel, coming out of this pandemic situation as our states start to open up again, what are you seeing as some changes that are positive or just things that are unavoidable on the mortgage side of things? I think it's really positive that we've been so incredibly flexible. Um, the industry as a whole, pretty much like many other businesses, just picked up and moved home. And we've been so unbelievably fortunate in our industry to have work to do. And so it's been wonderful to see that we could take basically 630 people and move them home over a period of about 10 days and really not miss a step. So I think the flexibility and, and um, that whole process has taught us a lot about how we should look at business in the future as things change. I think also we've learned a lot about how to communicate better. We maybe have gotten a little bit um, lazy maybe about how we communicated. I'm speaking about myself. And one thing about being disconnected or feeling really disconnected is you learn you need to work harder about communicating. We put some changes in place about how we're communicating with our coworkers that in retrospect, we probably should have done a long time ago. But when you're, you're really quarantined and everybody is sheltering in place and sort of hiding out, you know, you really feel like you need to spend the time both reaching out to all your referral partners, which has been, this has been super difficult for, and making sure you're providing support and communicating and really not communicating, communicating about what you need and how you want some business, but communicating about on a personal level, how are you doing? What can we do for you? We're really um, thinking about you. So I think that's a real positive that we are remembering the human kindness that needs to be part of our world. And this has given everybody time to pause and reflect about that. So I think you know, there'll be some changes about office space in the future, probably. We're all looking at, like I said, ways that we can do business and ways that we can make it easier for our customers and anybody that we do business with. Um, and we've really learned a lot in this short, traumatic time that we can make changes when we need to really quickly. I've heard that from loan officers and from realtors alike, that the ability to be so nimble wasn't something that maybe everyone had the most confidence in, especially when we started hearing about, we're going to have to shelter in place. Oh my goodness, offices are shutting down. And I, I really think that it's leading to some really positive conversations. I look at the traffic in Atlanta, for example, even as the state is starting to open back up, I'm really hopeful that maybe part of that traffic problem could be solved by the ability of more people to work from home and their superiors recognizing that there are definitely some jobs where we can stay, maybe not every day, but a couple of times a week. And what a positive impact on our stress levels and on environmental factors such as smog and exhaust and all of the things that we deal with that come along with those. Rebecca, what have you seen uh, as far as any changes that you've made here in Georgia and especially in your office that have sort of come out of this, but have been something that you m might keep in place? Mara, one of the things that I've noticed from my being on the street, so to speak, is that customers had somewhat of a reluctance to do everything online. 
they, a lot of our customers still had, I want that face-to-face. I want to come look you in the eye when I give you my information. That has very quickly faded. Uh, in our market here especially, we have a lot of retired folks, and they tend to be more hesitant to do things online, but they're picking it up. They're like, oh, wow, I can do this. So my take on this would be, in order to help our realtor partners, that we can get people pre-qualified easier. Those buyers don't have the excuse any longer. There's not really a reason why you as realtors need to spend your time with people who are not pre-qualified. So I think it's more important than ever that we get them to your lender, get them to us, and get that paperwork done up front, let them know what they're dealing with, and let you as an agent know what you're dealing with before you spend your time with them. Absolutely. And I think some of the technology you mentioned face-to-face, we're able to introduce consumers to the concept of redefining face-to-face, right? For example, we are in three very different geographic areas today, the three of us, and, you know, we're using Zoom. Introducing our clients to that has been very useful. Um, It's a tool I've used for teaching for years, and I never thought, oh, I should have a listing consultation via Zoom. And I think if you do have those clients who want to look you in the eye and see your smile and, and your body language, on a secure platform, of course, I mean, there's, there are some that are better than others, but having that opportunity to introduce them to that, because, hey, they may then turn around and use it to see their grandchildren face-to-face, and you may have taught them a new skill that makes you more valuable to them than just as a loan officer in just this one scenario. Absolutely. Do you have anything else to add as far as things that we can learn from this, from the mortgage side, better ways that we as realtors can work with loan officers, for example? I think that we all got used to the idea that you have to have an approach that you're going to adapt and adjust and that we're all doing that together. And from my perspective, I've never seen better teamwork a better spirit of we'll figure this out and we're going to have to do it together more than I can remember in my career. And that's from every single person in the food chain. I think that's been critically important for all of us. We've been each other's lifelines in a way about how are we going to do business. I know when things started shutting down and there was all this confusion and concern about would we be able to close loans, what was going to happen because of all the sheltering in place. And we had people standing outside kitchen windows, watching people sign. And we, you know, we all found a way. And so I think, there's been great technology. The mortgage industry has been uh, famously slow sometimes to adapt and change, uh, but there's been great technology for a while. We have a great online platform, uh, but it's all about getting us to use it. And I think Rebecca said it perfectly. There are certain groups that have been reluctant. And then now that we're starting to see, we can make things easier, more secure, safer, and then we can spend the time talking to one another Instead of just emailing and texting, we can actually talk to each other. Maybe we can have a phone call with someone where we're seeing each other if we can't meet in person. And I think that's a great change that we should remember after this is behind us. We shouldn't give up on that. I totally agree. And you mentioned better teamwork. And a lot of the conversations that I've been seeing, especially between realtors on social media, when we're not talking about politics, which most of us should not do. (laughs) But when we're actually talking about the business of real estate, there's this general consensus that we have become more compassionate and cooperative with each other. Part of that might be because for a lot of us, our spring market is usually so competitive. And, you know, I think about the number of multiple offer situations I found myself in a year ago on the listing side and on the buyer's side. 
And we're still finding ourselves in those, but I feel there's this general feeling, as you said, we're in this together. I have a ready, willing, and able buyer. This seller really wants to sell. We're going to find a way to make it work. No one has argued with putting special stipulations and contracts that have to do with shelter in place because we just don't know what's ahead of us in the next few weeks or months. So I definitely concur. I see that happening quite a bit. I think there's a lot to be said. It seems like our industry as a whole, whether we're looking at real estate agents or the mortgage side, closing attorneys, I know some other positive changes, for example, the digital notary that's been useful in a lot of states that have passed that. You said standing outside kitchen windows and watching people sign. The ability to, again, be nimble, but to be creative. I think we're going to see, hopefully, even though this has been quite a serious problem globally, that we can at least come out on the other side with some positives. The main reason that I wanted to talk to you today, and that I'm so grateful to Rebecca for connecting us, Susan, was to answer some of these questions about mortgage forbearance. Because of course, with shelter in place and with so many companies furloughing their workers and and people being out of work or just missing paychecks, the issue of how do I pay my mortgage has been a huge topic of conversation. Traditionally, forbearance isn't usually the option that you might want to suggest to a homeowner if there are other avenues that they can explore. But with the CARES Act, we are seeing some some positive changes and some ways to help homeowners who might be having trouble paying those mortgages. First, I think it's important that we explain to the average realtor who's listening, what is forbearance? What's a general definition uh, of what that means to a homeowner as a loss mitigation strategy? Sure. So forbearance is really when a lender and a borrower in a mortgage space um, agree that they're going to pause payments or delay payments due to some financial problems that the borrower is currently experiencing. So we've, we've had experience with forbearance in the past for many reasons. Typically, it's, um, it's weather-related. So we had Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Harvey. And, and needless to say, if you can't, if your home is not habitable, it's really hard to make your payment. You're trying to find a place to stay. And then all of a sudden, you, you can't live in your home. You can't make your payment. You have to find a place to rent. Really, really traumatic times. The difference this time around is that with COVID-19, the forbearance options, um, it's, been, it's been a national forbearance situation. So that creates a lot of challenges. I'm glad we're having this conversation. This is a tough subject, and there's so much misinformation and confusion and stress about forbearance. And so it's something that everybody needs to understand, and then they need to understand if it's available to them. And they also need to understand if it is available to them, what are the repercussions if they take forbearance? Because there is so much being said out there that's not really accurate. And people really have enough stress and worry right now. They don't need to add and pile onto that by thinking that I'm going to take this option that's been discussed nationally and it's been advertised and on television. And the next thing you know, I'm going to get uh, some information that's inaccurate and correct. And I'm going to feel panicked that now I've selected to go down this path and it's going to ultimately cost me to lose my home, which is not what forbearance is about. Thank you for pointing that out. That's not what forbearance is about. It really is a loss mitigation strategy, right? It's for a homeowner who can't make a payment for a, a certain period of time and they enter into an agreement with that mortgage servicer. 
how do homeowners who may be having trouble making those payments, how do they know um, what their first step should be if this is uh, something that they are considering as an option for themselves? The first thing they need to do is call their lender. But I want to say that there's a couple of other things to know and some questions to ask. This is not something people normally um, are going to go through. It's, it's foreign to them and the lingo and the whole terminology is foreign. So that adds to the stress and the misunderstanding and confusion. So if your loan is a government backed loan, this is a really important thing to know. So is it a Fannie Mae or a Freddie Mac or an FHA or a VA or USDA loan, then you are absolutely eligible for forbearance. And all you have to do is call your servicer and tell them that you have been harmed from COVID-19, either income, health, family income health, whatever reason, and because of that, you need to request forbearance. And you will be granted forbearance. It is not like um, some people remember in the past with uh, the loan modification process that was really complicated and difficult and hard for people. This is an automatic, you are going to be granted forbearance. So call your servicer, ask them the question. Now, if you have a loan that is a portfolio loan, meaning it's not government backed, it might be a bank or a community bank, large bank, credit union, um, does not mean you're not eligible for forbearance, but it does mean the terms of the forbearance will be unique to that, your financial institution, your lender. If you have a government backed loan, that isn't how it's gonna be. If you're an FHA borrower, your forbearance options are gonna be the same as the next FHA borrower and so on. So it's really important for people to first, know they can call, know they're gonna get it, and secondly, and this is the biggest amount, the biggest piece of misinformation that's out there today. You will not be required to pay all the missed payments back at one time. You will not. That is not allowed. So can you pay all the payments back at one time? Yes, you can. Do you have to? Absolutely not. I've read so many things from borrowers saying, gosh, I can't make my payment now. How am I supposed to make 90 days or six months payments paid back all at one time, that's overwhelming. Well, that will not be required. So that's that's a really important factor. And so you need to go to your lender. And if you have any questions, I would write them all down. I would be a little educated before I go to ask what type of loan do I have. And, and one of the things about forbearance that adds to the confusion and the mystery about it, if you will, is that sometimes the options will be different per person, depending on when you can pay back, how you pay back. Um, whether you recover financially, so how long it takes, and then ultimately, are you able to come out of forbearance um, by paying it back um, by one of these ways? Do you need a modification? So it's, it's good to ask the question. It's also good to understand that the lender will not be able to tell you all the answers up front because they won't know. They won't know if you need three months, six months, nine months, or a year, or three, they won't know. Um, and so at that time, then you start to see that you're ready to come out of forbearance. Then you will be given various options as to how you pay the back. And we are going to put in our show notes at garealcast.com. The National Association of Realtors has put together a great page that's a resource page. There's also going to be a link in our show notes for your clients and homeowners to be able to look up whether their loan is owned by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Most consumers probably remember if they did FHA, VA, or USDA, but it's very rare for a homeowner to ever know yes. if Fannie or Freddie owns their loan. So we are going to put all of that information in the show notes at garealcast.com so anyone listening to this can easily access that. I know that under the CARES Act, even though Fannie, Freddie, FHA, VA, USDA, they, they're all going to differ very slightly in their requirements for the, the repayment. 
But I do want to make sure that we highlight something that you said, which is that that balloon payment that is typical of traditional forbearance when it's not under the CARES Act, that is not a part of any one of those government-backed loan programs. So under the CARES Act, if you are opting to approach your lender about forbearance, it's very important to keep in mind if someone tells you that that balloon payment is going to be, become due, that you seek further information from that servicer, correct? Because that might mean that that person on the phone actually has bad information as well. Absolutely correct. It's allowed but not required. Right. And right. You have the ability to have some opportunity to help choose how you're going to pay it back from various options. And I think that that's important to note. Also, under the CARES Act, my understanding, Susan, is that uh, borrowers can apply for or express interest in uh, 180 days of forbearance that then at the end of that period, they can request an additional 180 days currently the way the CARES Act stands right now. Is that correct? That's correct. So on your lender, that's a good thing to know because you may call and they may say, well, we're going to give you 90 days forbearance right now. And then at the end of the 90 days, if you need another 90 days, we'll give you 180 days. So people don't, don't panic if the first thing that you hear is 90 days. Is that all I'm going to get? You can say, no, it's going 90 days and then you get to extend it. And as you correctly state, then you can extend it up for a year if you need to. Which is really a fantastic option. And I know that some of the elements of the CARES Act have been widely criticized. The PPP loan and the IDLE through the Small Business Administration have been a little bit of a mess for some people. I know that pandemic unemployment assistance, the PUA program has been widely criticized, but this is one of those that seems like for a homeowner who really is facing some serious financial challenges, it's definitely an, a positive option that has very little, as far as we can tell right now, very few negatives associated with it. I think the only thing that people may experience is because this is a national forbearance program, something we've never, ever had, because it's a global pandemic, right? It may take some time. Almost all servicers, um, you can call, you can also go online, but you have to be patient because we literally stepped out in front of a camera and said, hey, call your servicer to millions and millions and millions of homeowners. And some calls are quick and some calls are not quick because as we say, people are under a lot of duress and stress and they may need to talk a little bit longer than, you know, this is an average call. So the patience factor is really critical. And as I say, there should be online options as well as speaking with someone. What our experience is most people want to speak to someone and then they go online. And they need that human reassurance. So, and that's, and that's great. Just remember how many people are calling at one time. That's like the PPP program and these other programs. There was such a massive need. It's pretty hard to set up a program that's really designed to handle so much request, so many requests at one time. That's an excellent point. And I also want to remind anyone who's listening that similar to the PPP and the IDLE programs and the PUA program, this was rolled out federally with very little input, really, from the people who are having to take the applications and, and deal with the actual boots on the ground work. So the mortgage servicers, if you do happen to talk to someone who gives you information that is conflicting with what we're saying today, or conflicting with what you're seeing on the National Association of Realtors resource page that I'm going to post to the show notes, please ask to talk to someone else or ask to talk to a supervisor. 
it's just one of those situations that I think was unavoidable. The federal government saw the need to roll out some programs to really help our citizens and to help consumers and to help mortgage holders and borrowers. But it would have been impossible to get it rolled out in a timely fashion if they'd gone to every single mortgage servicer and said, what input do you have on this? So websites may crash. You may be in a very long queue waiting to talk to someone on the phone. But as Susan said, please tell your clients to exercise patience and that they absolutely will. Someone will get to them. It just might take a little while. You know, so, another thing that's been a little confusing, I don't want to forget to say, if you can make your payment, you should make your payment. You don't want to exercise the option of forbearance if you are able to make your payment. It really needs to be reserved, if you will, a little bit like the PPP. You need the people to get that money that absolutely have to have it. And we need the people that are going to go into forbearance to be the people that absolutely need to have it and they're going to get it. But if you can make your payment, it's not a great option to go into forbearance. It is something you will have to contend with later. You will pay all the money back ultimately. So if you can make your payment, make your payment. And if not, by all means, call and request. Absolutely. And I, I so appreciate you making that point because we, we do need to talk a little bit about consequences of the repayment, obviously, is something that is going to come due at some point. And again, the requirements are a little different for every program. So Fannie, Freddie, USDA, VA, FHA, please go to that NAR resource page. Um, there's also a great one that I'll post on the CFPB website, and I'll make sure that that link is there. But we're being told, of course, for a program the likes of which we've never seen before, we're being told this will not negatively impact your credit. This will not negatively impact your ability to purchase a home sometime in the future. But of course, there may be mistakes made. I mean, we all have heard the horror stories of homes owned by active duty military that never should have been eligible for foreclosure that were foreclosed on because mistakes were made. How do we advise our homeowners who really do see this as the only option for them? They are in financial distress. They really think that this is what they need to be doing. How do we advise them about those potential, even though I hope it won't happen, future hurdles? Yeah, so we have 7.5% of mortgage holders in forbearance right now. That's the latest number. That's a pretty large number. Those people, you know, are obviously just in need. I would say the thing about forbearance is, one, it's credit suppressed. The CARES Act requires it to be credit suppressed, which means it's not going to show up on your credit report that you were late on a payment. There's still quite a bit of gray area today about once you go into forbearance, how long do you have to be out of forbearance, if, for instance, if you want to go refinance or if you want to buy another home? And that is something that we are working very hard, very, very hard with the agencies to try to come up with a solution that's not ultimately a punishment to borrowers. The intent of this from the get-go, of course, was to just help. When the government stood up and said, we're going to do this, the only intent was to help. But there's always a lot of things that come behind a program that's announced. And what we're looking at today is if you go into forbearance on a loan and then you come right back out or you need a longer period of time, are you still eligible to get a new loan? And the answer is different with different investors as we stand today. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, there'll be some better clarity. But anytime there's gray area and something so important, you can imagine it kind of has the lenders on their ear trying to figure out what can you do, what should you do, how do you do it. Nobody wants to harm the customer. And so we're hoping that we'll be able to come up with a solution about 
how long you have to be out of forbearance or how long you have to be um, back to work from being furloughed before you can make a loan. There are so many things that need to be addressed in this really challenging time. But so that's part of that patience. The rules of the road are going to change. They're definitely going to change over the coming weeks because every week that goes by and the volume of loans that are going through, we're learning more and we're finding more situations where there's not a clear cut answer yet. But I, I will say that, that absolutely the GSEs um, and the MBA and, and many, many lenders are literally burning the midnight oil trying to make sure that the solutions are better than some of the problems of the past that people experienced. So it's a soft landing, if you will, when this is over. Um, so that's a little bit of a stay tuned. I, and there, there are some, hopefully some things coming out pretty soon that will help. But as far as your credit, your credit will not be harmed. And I think that's an important thing to know. That, that in itself, you want to go buy a car after you're in forbearance, it shouldn't have any impact on your ability to go buy a car. That's really good to know. But it comes back to, again, I want to keep harping on this. It comes back to that patience piece of the yeah. puzzle that you've said a couple of times as well. And I think it's also going to feed into, unfortunately, some of the uncertainty that if you are a homeowner and you're considering this and you call your mortgage servicer and you ask these kinds of questions and they're not giving you a black and white answer, it's important for us as realtors to know that as we're talking to our clients about this and urging them to call their servicer, there may be answers that seem like they're not really answers. And that's just because no one has some of these answers yet. Uh, but we need to trust, and there's a degree of trust, we need to trust what we are reading and hearing from official sources about the CARES Act. And by official, I mean the actual CARES Act itself, if you want to read all of it. Uh, what we're seeing on the CFPB website, because of course their job is to protect the consumer, what the National Association of Realtors is putting out and what our state realtor association is putting out, uh, which is coming from all of those sources. To ask some pretty specific questions, what do we tell borrowers about the mortgages they have on secondary homes? Are those eligible for forbearance? So for example, my cabin in the mountains or my friend's uh, beach condo, are those eligible or is it only your primary residence? They are eligible. If you have a mortgage on real estate, you are eligible for forbearance. So whether it's investment or single family or second home, you can call and request forbearance. So yes. What advice do we need to give our realtor members, for example, if they are going on listing appointments? We need to start having this conversation because it may throw a wrench into the sale process. How big of a wrench is it going to throw into the sale process if the homeowner doesn't think to mention to their realtor that they are in forbearance and the realtor lists the home because this, the homeowner has decided that they would like to sell? What is the process going to look like in, in that scenario? Selling the home that's in forbearance should not create a challenge. I think what the realtors are already dealing with, with the lenders, is if somebody is currently in forbearance and they come out of forbearance next week, they get, they're back to work, they have the income, they've been able to set, satisfy and settle the forbearance. Are they then eligible to go get a new loan? And that is the area that today is a lot of gray area and, and we're struggling with that because today the answer in most cases is no, not yet. Um, so that is where I think there's going to be some changes and some good things. As I said, the intent is to help everybody and um, Fannie and Freddie and FHFA and certainly all the um, government, USDA, VA, FHA, everybody's the same thing. Let's help, let's help the borrowers. But then, so we say it's credit suppressed. Are we going to treat it as a credit event? 
because we won't allow you to get a new loan. Are we treating it as a credit event, a negative credit event? When in fact, it was a national um, forbearance in a global pandemic. It's not like any other time. So we're working through that. I know that for um, real estate agents, that's challenging. And I think in this market that we're in, everybody really has sort of have full disclosure. It shouldn't keep you from selling a home. The payoff may be a little higher. That's all that may happen here, right? There's nothing to forbid you. It doesn't put some constraint in place from selling your home. But if you're in forbearance and you get out of forbearance and you want to buy another property, or so let's just use as your example. So you have a second home that is in forbearance. Are you then eligible to go refinance your primary residence? Most lenders will tell you right now the answer is no. So we're working through that and trying to make sure that we have a good solution. But today, the answer would be, while you have a property in forbearance, you can't go get another loan until you have that property out of forbearance. Right. And the irony there is that the refi on the primary residence may actually put more money in your pocket to get out of forbearance on the secondary home. But again, at, at some point, restrictions are going to come into play. Limitations are going to come into play. It's just how do those pan out? I want to talk a little bit, though, because let's say that we do have a client, we have a homeowner with a mortgage that is not eligible via the CARES Act. So not Fannie, not Freddie, not FHA, VA, or USDA. And they are having some financial difficulties. And their servicer, for whatever reason, is not going to offer up a similar option for forbearance. Maybe they're going the more traditional route. Maybe they're just choosing to, to not play nice in the sandbox. Uh, what are some alternatives that a, that a homeowner might consider to forbearance before they go down that road if they are not protected under the CARES Act? So the most important thing is to make sure that you immediately contact your, your lender. Don't wait until you're behind on your payments. If you know you're not going to be able to make your payment, go ahead and call. You're still, if you're, if you're not eligible for forbearance, you are going to be uh, shown as late, but you still need to be communicating with your servicer right out of the gate that you're going to have a problem making your payment. You're going to maybe have continued problems making your payment. Something has changed. How about you lost your job due to COVID-19? So that's very difficult. So what are the options they're going to offer you? Is there a loan modification option? Is there some sort of program that you could be put into that would help you get through this period? There'll be very few lenders. It's hard to imagine a lender that would be um, willing to put the borrower in a terrible position because of a, a national Forbearance Act and a national pandemic, a global pandemic problem. I do know that there are cases around the country of lenders and their portfolio. They have different requirements for how you pay it back than the, than, than the government back loans do. But it's my belief that all lenders are going to work with you because at the end of the day, nobody wants to foreclose. There's no value in foreclosing. Lenders are not here to foreclose. There's nothing positive about that and no lender wants to foreclose. And we all saw that when we went down that road at the, during the last recession, that wasn't a positive for anyone. So I think it's important, though, if, if we have clients who are not part of one of those government-backed loan programs, to advise them to not take the first answer if they feel like it's not the best one, to continue to call their servicer, to talk to supervisors, to get more information before making a decision that could really impact them down the road.
Well, most servicers will tell you when you call that your call is going to be recorded. We use those recordings all the time in case somebody calls and has some confusion about the information they were given. I would advise you when you make a call to any consumer, you don't need to try to record the call, but you need to make note of when you call, who you spoke with, what information you were given. Because if you have to go up the food chain until you get an answer that you understand or that you can work with, it's really good to have documented. It's also really good to follow every single piece of instruction you're given. One of the challenges when you start going through this is because people are already under a lot of stress and their sort of panic sets in is they don't always hear everything exactly. It's helpful to write it down. So if they say to you, mail a letter in, go online and fill out a form, do it immediately and document and keep that you did it because that is really a paper trail is extremely useful and helpful as you go through this process. Absolutely. And it's a way to protect yourself as, as the borrower only you are going to protect your own credit. Only you are going to protect your financial future. So taking those notes and following the instructions. And I think that one more important point that, that we've been hearing a lot out of the National Association of Realtors is regardless of who your servicer is, whether you have a government-backed loan or it's on the private side, do not miss that first payment if you can help it before you know officially that your application for forbearance has been accepted. Because if even with the government-backed programs, if you haven't raised your hand and said, I would like to have forbearance be an option for me, if you miss that payment before you do that, it will negatively impact your credit. Is that correct? Correct. You'll just have a late payment because they don't have any way of knowing that the next step is they're going to call, you're going to call and ask for forbearance. Right. Is there anything on this topic that we have not covered that you think would be important. Of course, as realtors, I want to make the point that to follow the code of ethics, we are not meant to be advising consumers about something that is outside of our realm of expertise. So the point of this episode today was to give some very basic background information, but of course, to continue to drive home the point that the consumer needs to be calling their mortgage servicer to get the actual answers and information that they need. But we usually are the first person that gets the phone call, maybe even over and above the loan officer that that borrower used when they bought the house. We oftentimes are the ones that get that first phone call. So is there anything else that realtors need to know about mortgage forbearance in this time of COVID-19 and related to the CARES Act that can help us to better advise our clients other than you must call your mortgage servicer? I think it's really important for, because um, you guys are the advisors, you're driving them around, you're showing them homes. Right now you're showing them homes um, with videos, which just turns out working really well, right? Um, I think it's really important to stress that people need to expect to have to make their payment if they can, because if there's any advice that, you know, you can just skip your payment and then later on you'll pay it back, it's not, it's not very good advice unless it's really necessary. Um, the, way, the way that forbearance works, of course, is it's just tacking on, adding up, and you will deal with it at some point. So I think that's a really important thing for real estate agents to know that this isn't the PPP. This isn't a small business loan. There's not forgiveness. It's not a payment holiday. It's a pause in making your payments. And there's a big, big difference in that. And they could give that advice. The other thing is it's a waterfall approach to the solutions to forbearance. And I think if customers understand that, borrowers understand that, you might do a lump sum. You might be able to. You might need to stretch it over time based on what you can do. You might ultimately do a loan modification. But it's a waterfall approach. It's not a one answer. So don't panic and feel like if somebody says, like you said, 
here's just one thing that doesn't make sense to me. It's a waterfall approach. In fact, it's not even bad to use that terminology when you call. I understand there's a waterfall approach as to how I might um, pay back my payments during this when I'm ready to get out of the forbearance period, and I'm trying to understand what that waterfall approach is with you, my lender. It's good. It's good to use the terminology that the lenders use because the lenders then understand. Okay, this person's done some research. They really understand. We can maybe go a little deeper on explaining to them the various things that might be um, available to them. That's excellent advice. And of course, if you are a realtor and you're listening to this and you have further questions, you should absolutely reach out to your trusted lenders. Or of course, we, we will make sure that Rebecca has her contact information in the show notes so that you can reach out to one of our GAR partners, which is SWBC Mortgage Corp to get some information. If you have questions on behalf of a consumer, or if you just still have some questions of your own and any confusion about how to advise your clients, even after listening to this episode and reviewing the links that we're putting in the show notes. As we kind of wrap this up, is there anything else we can move outside of the realm of forbearance as we, as we kind of draw to a close? Is there anything else that you wish that realtors would know about working cooperatively and efficiently with lenders during this time or moving forward into the future? What's that one thing that you wish realtors did better and knew better about working with their preferred lender? You know, we worried a lot when this first started really taking taken uh, over our lives and we all started moving around and we started looking around. We really were very concerned about how are our referral partners doing? They just are shut down overnight, a lot of them. How are they doing? What, what can we do with them? How can we be a good partner to them? It's a great time to talk about marketing together in a different way. So I think the, the one thing is, is that it's, we have a lot of refinance activity and everybody's well aware of that. And that's great. That's great because we're helping people save money. It's good for the economy. It's a credit infusion. It's a cash infusion, if you will, right now when we, people desperately need it. And that's fabulous. But it's also really important to all mortgage companies to remember that long-term your relationships with your realtor and your builders, your other referral sources is, is, is the primary thing that you're focused on besides taking good care of your borrowers. And so I think I want the realtors to know that lenders are very focused on how do we get through this together? I listened to a speaker from the national association of realtors talking about the economy will come back, but we will, the spring season will still be over we still won't have had a spring season. So we may have great business in the summer and going forward, but we still miss spring. And I think, you know, that's a big challenge. So what can we do as we're moving forward together to help get some business, help reassure borrowers that we're all doing things safely and looking out for them and social distancing is possible and you can still buy a home, we can still make a mortgage. I think that's really important that we all stay our eye on the ball, if you will, that this is gonna keep going for a while and if we adapt and work together and talk about the challenges, and most realtors have not talked to us much about the challenges. Um, we've tried really hard to reach out, bomb bomb, various, various other tools to make sure we're communicating. But I think most lenders want the realtors to speak up and tell them that it's like, if there's something that we could do, is there something that's missing? Is there information that you need? Let us know, contact us. We're not so busy making refinance transactions. We don't still love you and want to talk to you. <laughs> And I think that's a great point is while we are taking this time that is maybe not a complete standstill in our business, but a little bit of a pause for most of us, 
that we're taking the time to reach out to our clients, but we should also be reaching out to our service partners, our vendors. And for us, that's definitely been our lenders, local lenders here, but also to our home inspectors and handymen and just checking on them as well, because we are all in the same position and we all can help each other moving forward. Unless you have anything else to add that would be a, a nugget for our realtor listeners that would help them to do business better during this time and work better with you. Is there anything else last minute that we would want to cover? I would just like to say thank you, Mara, for this opportunity for me and for us to introduce Susan to the Georgia Realtors. We at SWBC are very proud of her and what she's accomplishing in the mortgage world. I would also like to say that SWBC is a big company in Georgia. We have a lot of offices. And while I'd love for everybody to call me, I'd also love for you to call our other offices because we have some very good lenders out there and we'd love to take care of our customers. We do appreciate this opportunity very much. I know the Georgia Realtors really appreciates having SWBC as a friend and a partner, um, an official partner. I'm very pleased that we were able to have this time together today and I got to meet Susan virtually. Hopefully we will see you in person sometime at one of our conferences. It would be amazing to have someone who is not only so knowledgeable, but also so willing to share and to educate. And I think that we as realtors need more of that. We need not just better information that we can share with our consumers, but we crave information and education that helps us to serve our clients better. So thank you both of you, Rebecca and Susan, for your time today. I know that this is going to be a much listened to episode because this is information that every realtor in Georgia should just be gobbling up and disseminating to their clients and making sure that everyone has the best and most accurate information to help their clients through this time. So thank you both so much. Thank you. You're providing service. Thank you. Thank you, Maura. To learn more about Susan and Rebecca, and of course, for all of the very valuable links that we promised you, for more information about mortgage forbearance and how to advise your clients, please visit our show notes at garealcast.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Apparently, it helps others to find us and it boosts our ratings. Have a great one.